What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Chapter 15 of The Golden Silence This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The Golden Silence by Alice Muriel and Charles Norris Williamson. Chapter 15 Nothing could be heard of Victoria at any place of departure for ships, nor at the railway stations. Stephen agreed with Neville that it would not be fair to lay the matter in the hands of the police, lest in some way the girl's mysterious plan should be defeated. But he could not put out of his head an insistent idea that the Arab on board the Charles Q might stand for something in this underhand business. Stephen could not rest until he had found out the name of this man and what had become of him after arriving at Algiers. As for the name, having appeared on the passenger list, it was easily obtained without expert help. The Arab was a certain Sidi Maidine ben el Hajj Mesaud and when Jeanine Sobeys was applied to for information concerning him, she was able to learn from her Arab friends that he was a young man of good family, the son of an aga, or desert chief, whose dwar lay far south in the neighborhood of El Aguat. He was respected by the French authorities and esteemed by the governor of Algiers, known to be ambitious he was anxious to stand well with the ruling power and among the dissipated sensuous young arabs of his class and generation he was looked upon as an example and a shining light the only fault found in him by his own people was that he inclined to be too modern too french in his political opinions and his french friends found no fault with him at all it seemed impossible that a person so highly placed would dare risk his future by kidnapping a European girl. And Janine Sobeys advised Stephen to turn his suspicions in another direction. Still, he would not be satisfied until he had found and engaged a private detective, said to be clever, who had lately seceded from a Paris agency and set up for himself in Algiers. Through him, Stephen hoped to learn how Sidi Maidine bin El Hajj Mesouad had occupied himself after landing from the Charles Q. But all he did learn was that the Arab, accompanied by his servant and no one else, had, after calling on the governor, left Algiers immediately for El Aguat. At least he had taken a train for Bogari and was known to have affairs of importance to settle between his father the aga and the french authorities 
secret inquiries at the hotel de la casbah elicited answers unvarying the same sidi maidine ben el haj mesouad was not a patron of the house and had never been seen there no one answering at all to his description had stopped in or even called at the hotel of course the value of such assurances was negatived by the fact that arabs hold together against foreigners and that if si maidine wished to be incognito among his own people his wish would probably be respected in spite of bribery besides he was rich enough to offer bribes on his own part circumstantial evidence however being against the supposition that the man had followed victoria after landing stephen abandoned it for the time and urged the detective adolphe roslin to trace the cabman who had driven miss ray away from her hotel roslin was told nothing about victoria's private interests but she was accurately described to him and he was instructed to bring his search by finding the squint-eyed cab driver who had brought the girl to lunch at janine el jouad only in the affair of Cassim ben halim did stephen and neville decide to act openly neville using influence as he had at the governor's palace they both hoped to learn something which in compassion or prudence had been kept from the girl but they failed as victoria had failed if a scandal had driven the arab captain of the spahis from the army and from algiers the authorities were not ready to unearth it now in order to satisfy the curiosity legitimate or illegitimate of two englishmen captain cassim ben halim el sheikh el arab had resigned from the army on account of ill health rather more than nine years ago and having sold his house in algiers had soon after left algeria to travel abroad he had never returned and there was evidence that he had been burned to death in a great fire at constantinople a year or two later the few living relatives he had in algeria believed him to be dead and a house which ben halim had owned not far from bow sada had passed into hands of his uncle siad of the desert village in the district as to ben halim's marriage with an american girl nobody knew anything the present governor and his staff had come to algiers after his supposed death and if neville suspected a deliberate reticence behind certain answers to his questions perhaps he was mistaken cassim ben halim and his affairs could now be of little importance to french officials it did not take roslin an hour to produce the squinting cabman but the old arab was able to prove that he had been otherwise engaged than in driving miss ray on the evening when she left the hotel de la casbah his son had been ill and the father had given up work in order to play nurse a doctor corroborated this story and nothing was to be gained in that direction then it was that neville almost timidly renewed his suggestion of a visit to tlemcen they could find out by telegraphing josette he admitted whether or no victoria ray had arrived but if she were not already in tlemcen she might come later to see mooney 
and even if not they might find out how to reach sadie by catechizing the cabile girl once they knew the way to victoria's sister it was next best to knowing the way to find victoria herself this last argument was not to be despised it impressed stephen and he consented at once to try their luck at clemson early in the morning of the second day after the coming of victoria's letter the two men started in neville's yellow car the merry-eyed chauffeur charmed at the prospect of a journey worth doing he was tired he remarked to stephen de tout ces petites voyages d'une demi-heure comme les tristes promenades des enfants sans une seule aventure they had bidden good-bye to lady macgregor and most of the family animals overnight and it was hardly eight o'clock when they left janine el jouad for the day's journey would be long a magical light like the light in a dream gilded the hills of the sahil and beyond lay the vast plains of the meteja a golden bowl heaped to its swelling rim of mountains with the fairest fruits of algeria the car rushed through the world of blossoms fragrant open country full of flowers and past towns that did their small utmost to bring france into the land which france had conquered Bofaric, with its tall monument to a brave french soldier who fought against tremendous odds Blida, a walled and fortified mixture of garrison and orange grove with a market-place like a scene in the arabian nights orleansville modern and ostentatiously french built upon ruins of vast antiquity and hotter than all other towns in the dry cup of the Shalif valley brizolani perigo and finally oran famed still for its old spanish forts which they reached by moonlight always there were fields embroidered round the edges with wild flowers of blue and gold and rose always there were white dusty roads along which other motors sometimes raced but oftener there were farm carts wagons pulled by strings of mules and horses with horned harness like the harness in provence or on the spanish border there were huge two-story diligences too drawn by six or eight black mules crammed under their canvas roofs with white or brown-robed arabs and going very fast from oran they might have gone on the same night reaching the end of their journey after a few hours spin but neville explained that haste would be vain they could not see mademoiselle soubise until past nine so better sleep at oran start at dawn and see something of the road a road more picturesque than any they had travelled it was not for stephen to offer objections though he was in a mood which made him long to push on without stopping even though there were no motive for haste he was ashamed of the mood however and hardly understood what it meant since he had come to algeria in search of peace when first he landed and until the day of victoria's letter he had been enormously interested in the panorama of the east which passed before his eyes he had eagerly noticed each detail of colour and strangeness but now 
though the london lethargy was gone in its place had been born a disturbing restlessness which would not let him look impersonally at life as at a picture questioning himself as he lay awake in the oran hotel with windows open to the moonlight stephen was forced to admit that the picture was blurred because victoria had gone out of it her figure had been in the foreground when first he had seen the moving panorama and all the rest had been only a magical frame for her the charm of her radiant youth and the romance of the errand which had brought her knocking when he knocked at the door of the east had turned the glamour into glory now she had vanished and as her letter said it might be that she would never come back the centre of interest was transferred to the unknown place where she had gone and stephen began to see that his impatience to be moving was born of a wish not only to know that she was safe but to see her again he was angry with himself at this discovery and almost he was angry with victoria if he had not her affairs to worry over 